OHL hockey is back. This is the Farwell and Pope podcast. Originating from the 570 News studio in Kitchener. Here are your hosts, Mike Farwell and Chris Pope. Well, this is it. A second season of the Farwell and Pope podcast. He's Pope. I'm Hi. Farwell. Clearly, your messages to management went unheated. Because here we are. Round two, baby. Well, I still can't log into a computer, so I don't know if they have went unheated or not. What do you need a computer for? (laughs) It's a podcast. Oh, wait. You do need a computer for a podcast. HR has uh, deleted my name out of the system. They think I'm fired. Maybe then the messages were heated, and I'm looking for a broadcast partner this year. Well, I got an email on the Thursday before the season uh, saying, hey, you come back this year? So I guess I'm back. All right. Good to have you back, Yeah, thanks, man. (laughs) (laughs) I got to admit, I'm a little bit jealous of year number one on the circuit for you. Because if I didn't mention it 38 times on the way home from the last game last year, which was the longest trip we have to make as broadcasters for the Kitchen Rangers, but it's not always like that. You don't always get to go to Game 7 of the Western Conference Final. Oh, really? No. Not, well, it doesn't happen that way. I didn't know that. It seemed like <laughs> it, I, I should have just quit on the high then, is what you're saying? Well, if you want to go out on a high, that would yeah. have been a pretty good time to do it. It wasn't uh, a bad season to say the least, uh, for the Kitchener Rangers and for ourselves. I mean, I had a, I had fun. And anytime you get to call Game 7 of the Western Conference Final, let alone a double overtime Game 7 against a team that was ranked number one in the country for months and months and months, uh, it was a heck of a game to, to watch, to describe, and more importantly for me, to enjoy. So reflections on a first year through the Ontario Hockey League. Any of the cities that we visited or the arenas that we visited stand out to you as good memories? Well, I, I certainly made it further into this year as I did any other of my junior hockey careers. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> um, we don't have mid-season cuts. There's no training yeah. camp. You're yeah, in, weird, you're in. Right? Yeah, yeah. Don't get sent down to the minors. Uh, that's something different. Uh, um, takeaways. Ooh. Uh, the bus rides are, uh, like Sault Ste. Marie's a little longer on a bus than you think it would be. Right. Um, I, I made my way through some books. I, I still can't find a good way to sleep on a bus. Uh, you actually, I, I liked your, <laughs> I liked ahead. your approach because you do the forward lean, yeah. right? I'll tell you, if I go back to the days I would travel alongside Don Cameron, he would often, not just sometimes, but often fall asleep on my shoulder. Right. And, I'm not shrugging him off. No. Right? He can he can stay there. Of course not. I always had trouble too. So I'd see you and you'd you'd lean forward so your head goes into the seat in front of you. And the best time was one time when I guess you were pretty tired and you were out pretty deep for a good length of time. And then you got up with oh, the with the mark on the forehead. And so bad. Both you and I have a lot of forehead, <laughs> right? So you're walking along the bus and people are like, Popper. Did you have a little sleep? Oh, yes, he did. Folks. Yes, I did. Yes, he did. It was there for a while too, and it almost turned into like a rash. <laughs> like it was so bad. I'm like, why is my forehead so sensitive? I learned. I learned though. I pulled the toque down from then on. Smart. But it was one of those road trips where it was like three and three. So every time I'd try to do it, it would hurt. So I had to figure out a different way. Yeah. I just got to quit sleeping on the bus and actually sleep when we get to the hotel instead of staying up till two o'clock in the morning watching TV. That happened a few times too. I'm an idiot. Yeah. Well, you, you're a night hawk, yeah. apparently. Yeah, and I am. In case you didn't notice for me, hotel time, sleepy time. Sleepy time. That's it. Yeah. I'm, I'm ready to go. Yeah, I'm no, ready I, to go. Even, ne- even when we're not on the road, I'm up till two in the morning. So yeah, no, I found a good way to, or, well, I found an okay way to sleep on the bus. Still trying to find a good one. Uh, bus trips are long, but awesome. And uh, 
the generosity of this league, of course, we talk about it all the time. Almost every rink we go to, everyone's extremely nice to us. Um, and I think that might just be the legacy that Don left over for, you know, passing along to you. And then now you, you know, passing along to me, everyone seems to treat us with respect. So that's a positive. Um, and one heck of a time. I had a blast. I can't wait to do it all over again. Yeah, we were pretty lucky uh, last year in, in your first season with the group that we were around and mm-hmm. uh, and the quality uh, of the team, obviously. But when you talk about the generosity from the league, it's a pretty tight-knit group. And you can say all you want about rivalries on the ice. Uh, there are certainly no rivalries amongst the media. We all share information, uh, take care of one another when we're visiting our respective buildings with anything from pronunciations to getting the proper notes to whatever it happens to be. Uh, not to mention some of the great volunteers you meet along the way. Remember, we even talked to her on the pod- podcast last year, mm-hmm. Bernice, Bernice, who is the uh, media room matron in Owen Sound and an absolute gem of a human being. So there are all those kinds of things that have always been part of the uh, the color of this league. Well, and, you know, I did three years of television broadcast for Kitchener before I made the switch to radio and just... It again goes to show as we get set to do this podcast and we start doing our research as the season, you know, gets gets closer for us. And to, to look at the names that are graduating this year to pro hockey is pretty crazy. Like, and you look at the players that, you know, we've seen over the last handful of years that are now in the Ontario or now in the National Hockey League and dominating the National Hockey League and doing extremely well. It's uh, it's a pretty elite and lucky spot to be in as broadcasters in this league. It's one of my favorite parts about the game because you see the kids come through at this level and then you just love, you feel that connection to them and you love watching them go on to the pros. And and sometimes the pros are in European leagues and that's okay too. Or they come back, play some CIS hockey, get themselves a degree somewhere and and off they go. But it it really is pretty special stuff. Plus, I I picked up a a new routine I think I really like. Uh Uh-oh. And I this pick- is going to last, what, four games? No, I, I liked it. I liked it in the playoffs. I left the media room a little early, take a coffee, and just walk around with the fans around the lower, around one of the bowls in the, in the uh, arena of choice. And uh, it, it's great. You get to see, like, all the diehard fans out there and what they do before the game. And, you get, and I sit and watch the uh, pregame skate, usually from somewhere in the stands. And you get to feel like a fan again, right? You, you get to feel the atmosphere of the rink and... Uh, we saw a few uh, demonstrations of fans towards players and stuff, and it was awesome. That's what it's all about, and it was, it was great. I felt like a fan every single day yeah. doing this game, but it's almost too bad that the podcast can only be audio because uh, I've taken some videos walking through these arenas. We've shared stuff on Twitter. That's at, called a vlog. It Sure. Yep. Okay, if you like. <laughs> <laughs> and the pictures that we can share via social media and we will continue to do through this season. But that's really what we're getting at. Yes, we're going to bring you news and analysis and predictions and we're going to say stupid things or rant about things along the way. And we're probably going to lean more heavily on Kitchener Rangers information because that's where we make our bread and butter. Mm -hmm. But you're going to get the full gamut of OHL information, news analysis here, plus we're going to take you on the road with us. So when we're in Sudbury, when we're in North Bay, when we're in Ottawa, and when we're in Sarnia, we're going to, as best we can, give you a sense of where we're at and what it's like while we're there. So maybe you want to make a trip yourself sometime, or maybe you just want to say, you poor suckers in that cramped broadcast booth in Owen Sound. Yeah, you never... <laughs> Flag duty. But if uh, if our uh, expectations are correct, 
we might have a new flag man for us this year to look after the flag up in the press box if Nathan Torquia ends up making the on sound attack. We already put in the uh, request to Torch, Mike Torquia, Nathan's dad. I think he played goalie for a bit. I don't know. I can't remember. Decent. The name's familiar. Decent human. We already put in the request for him to come back and do flag duty in an honorary capacity at the Bayshore. That'd be pretty cool. We'll just slide over. So after all this talk about the uh, season that was and what's to come on the podcast, why don't we listen back to how it all ended for our season and, as it turns out, the Kitchener Rangers season last year, Game 7 of the Western Conference Final versus the Sioux. Sherwood Brown, Stanley Gareffa Maskren. Stanley in the corner, battles for that puck with Brown and Sherwood. It goes around the goal. Bunneman's going to get to it. He protects it along the boards. Logan Stanley, an open look. He scores! He scores! Logan Stanley, the Waterloo boy from the blue line. And we're fit to be tied. Game seven drama in the zoo. Man, that was a fun game. Wasn't it? Holy Hannah. You know, I mean, look, as a Kitchener native, of course I was kind of pulling for the home team, right? But two great teams. Double overtime game seven. And what drama. Tie mm. the game with less than a minute to go. And uh, off to double OT we went. Crazy stuff. If you remember, there was points of that broadcast where... Like, I, I was openly shaking. I was like, this is, like, just the nerves that I had just as a hockey fan. It took me back to, you know, those days when the wet, like, I was living at home in my parents' in my parents' house as a, you know, early teenager, 12, 13 years old, staying up till 4 in the morning, listening to a, or watching and listening to a 4 a.m. game, or a 4 overtime game on the West Coast, where you're just, like, on this, you know, edge of your seat because you're a huge Red Wings fan and they're in the fourth overtime in the Western Conference Finals and it, it was awesome. It was one of those where you just breathed it in like you just enjoyed the moment. I still remember Wendell Clark scoring against the LA Kings game six Kings Leafs back in 1993. I don't and, doubt that. Yeah. And it, that of course West Coast game it was right? early in the morning here. Anyway, yeah, yeah, all those great memories, and we're going to have a lot more to uh, to make on the road this season. You could feel it in the building, just for the record. Totally you, like, it was unbelievable. Yeah, and It was crazy. You know what? Let's hear it for the, the fans and the organization in Sault Ste. Marie, yeah. okay? Because And uh, just the people in the city, if you remember that city, with stuff over every, in every business's window. Thank you for that reminder. Kitchener's got to step it up, right? It was... It was night and day. Yeah. You walk down night and day. the main street in Sault Ste. Marie and every single shop window had something Greyhounds in it. It was crazy. Brilliant stuff. Brilliant stuff. It was stuff. great. The league got busy over this offseason uh, fixing something that we have addressed, harped on, riffed on, ranted about over many years. And, and I think this is such a positive change that the Board of Governors approved a little over a month ago now, and that is the way in which draft picks are traded in the Ontario Hockey League. Beginning this year, uh, you can only trade a draft pick that is six years out from this coming season. So that makes you think, well, gosh, that's that's still a long way off. But then they're going to knock it down to five years, and then they're going to knock it down to four years, and four years is where it's going to stay. So in other words, beginning now, you will not see another pick beyond 2025 traded up until 2021. Because that's when the four-year kicks in. So as of this year, you can trade a 2025. Then it comes down to five years out. So next year in 1920, you can only trade a 2025 and and so on. 
I think it's a positive change insofar as, and, and forget all this, I, I can't stand the argument. I really can't. Oh, they just traded an eight-year-old. It, yeah. it doesn't matter. What you're trading is currency, and second-round picks are currency in the Ontario Hockey League. So forget that what I consider to be a little bit of a silly argument. But what this really means, I think, is that a general manager's job just became that much more difficult. Because we all know when you're trading draft picks that are eight years out, and that's what we have begun to start seeing, when you're trading a draft pick that's eight years out, you know, you know that you're using that currency now to get the player you need now, and when you go into your rebuild, you've got all kinds of time to recover those draft picks. Let's make it a little more challenging. Let's force organizations to keep their house in a little bit more order. I see what you mean by that, but I still feel what it's going to do more so, it's going to drive the price for players down. You might see more second rounders being traded, but if the days of 12 draft picks for two players is probably just going to be five draft picks, but four of them are going to be second rounders. Or does it make the third rounders that much more valuable? Well, it, it will. It, it makes everything more valuable. Yeah. I think just the number of picks is going to go down because you can't trade so far in advance. And I know what you mean by recuperating picks because Murray Hebert, when, when we were talking back when the Rangers traded for the rights of Robbie Fabry for, a, I think it was a conditional third, no, it was a third rounder. And everyone was like, why would you just give away a third rounder? And it was three years in advance, I think, or four years in advance. And Murray said, I'm pretty sure I trust myself to get a third rounder four years from now. Right. And so I understand why you're willing to give up an asset like that for a possible asset. I just think at the time when the rules were they were, were the way they were, I had no problem with it because if the league is going to allow you to do that, you were playing within your rules. If another team is going to be okay with you getting a player for a pick in, say, 2027, well, then you're in completely within your rights to do it. And it's what the, the going rate was and what everyone was doing. Now this new rule, I kind of like it. A handful of years in advance, but it's still an asset. They've just limited the assets that you have to trade, much like they did when they took out trading first-rounders. I don't mind it at all. I like it. It's going to take some getting used to. It's interesting that they did the three-year step-down. I think that what that was was to allow teams like the Erie Otters, like we saw last year with Kingston and and certain teams in the East and, and the West in the Sioux giving up all those picks for Taylor Radish, Kitchener's dealings to pull in their players. It allows those teams to recuperate, but now they're going to have to do it at a little different rate and in a little different way. That's a great point. Sam Brook, of course, coming over in that Sioux deal as well. I think right. it was nine pieces, the player plus eight picks that went back uh, Erie's way. Hamilton, another team like Kingston last year that really went out and got it done. I promised myself, and I, I don't think I've lost track of him yet, but I could be wrong because... It's hard to keep track. I don't know how the league does it. I really don't. I'm pretty sure that Herbie Morrell is out there somewhere constantly with a, a, a duotang. In his, I'm going that old school. It's a yeah. duotang, and he's writing things down in ledgers, and he's keeping track of all of this stuff. But I promised that I would keep track of the 2025 pick from Windsor that the Rangers received in the Jeremy Brocco deal over a year ago. I think it's still in Kitchener's cupboard, but I, I wanted to see how many times that pick changed move. hands before it was finally selected in 2025. That brings me to another thing. Why isn't it public? The list? Yeah. I have no idea. Let Dear me, OH, do why? you think if we start now, could we affect change by 2022? This is a good point. Oh, let's let's have a three-year plan. 
Is that is that when they're up? Is that when their their four. new rule goes in? Twenty twenty four years. Oh, yeah. four years. Okay. Well, well, well you can only trade a pick four years out. So let's give right. them four. Yeah. Okay. So by the time the new rule is in, that you can only trade a player four years out. Right. We want the list of draft picks to be made public. All right. So OHL, you've got till twenty twenty one. Skill from one to ten, <laughs> or what's the over under on on it actually happening for you? Zero. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. I'd love to see it though. <laughs> and there, I just don't understand why. I don't. That's a great question because fans crave this information that's and all they want to know information there are a few uh when you control the there. mail exactly. you control information thank you newman thank you when there, there are a few people out there that claim to have accurate lists i i, w- I wouldn't know i wouldn't know good on you if you've managed to keep track of all of these things but th- that's a great point pulper they should just make it public i Let's think if someone it. starts right now and and hopes to have a list in place by 2024 you just start with your 2024 picks because they can't trade those now. Right. Well, the second's in that one right? anyway. Yeah. yeah. And then you just start well, no, moving picks. forward yeah, right. every yep. year. Yeah. Right? There you go. You'd be able to figure it out. Someone out there who's a lot smarter than me and knows Excel, feel free. You don't think it's a duotang and a ledger? For the OHL right now? Well, it, listen, that's pretty old school, but it's also old school to not be transparent and have it out there. So I don't know. Now, despite the rule change in the Ontario Hockey League, one that we support, it seems anyway. Mm-hmm. This is interesting. Yeah. Starting off agreeing. Weird. There was a pretty big deal uh, in the OHL. Will Cooley, who said, Dear Peterborough, don't draft me. I'm not coming. But Peterborough drafted him anyway. Did you blame him? And <laughs> promptly traded. Well, in a manner of speaking, maybe I do. But we're going to get into that. Promptly traded him to the Windsor Spitfires for no less than, are you ready for it? Seven draft picks. Three seconds, three thirds, and a fifth from Windsor back to Peterborough. And then the Peets get to cash in on the OHL's compensatory picks, which means they get a first rounder and the last pick. So an additional pick is added. There are 21 picks in the second round, that 21st pick going to the Peterborough Peets as compensation for not being able to sign their first round pick. So nine picks total. Not to mention that first rounder that you talked about is the fifth overall pick. So if Peterborough decides to lay a goose egg again this year, they could be near the top of the list again, picking in the first round next year, and in theory, could have two of the top five picks in the upcoming OHL priority selection draft. Exactly. If Peterborough is not a good team this year, either way, you're getting two first rounders. Exactly. And the writing on the wall in Peterborough looks like it might be a bit of a long ride up there this year. Here's the thing about this. It's not the first time, right? This no. is far from the first time, and I think... Give Mike Oak some credit, okay? Because you're bringing in so many assets for a player that you knew wasn't going to show up. But I could throw out names like Lucas Lessio. I could throw out names like Nick Ebert. I could throw out names like Kirby Reichel. Hello, Windsor Spitfires, Warren's son. These were all players that just didn't end up where they were drafted and the other teams acquired a boatload of assets. The, the Max more, Domi. Max Domi. And rumor has it, to this day, it's why former teammates Doug Gilmore and Ty Domi do not speak because Domi said, my kid's going to London. Doug says, I'm picking him one pick before London's pick and I'm taking him no matter what. Here's, here's a crazy part about it. Max Domi, when he was traded to the London Knights, went for three seconds. Three. Okay, what did we just say about Cooley? Yeah. Three seconds, three thirds. And a fifth. And a fifth. Anyway, that, this was 2011 with the Domi trade, if I've got my so math right. I mean, the right. price of players, like we were talking about. This Exponential. Is, it's crazy. But Kingston ended up with 
the following year, four of the first 23, I believe it was, picks in the OHL draft. They get Sam Bennett. They get a kid named Dylan DePerna, who ended up finishing his career in Kitchener. Uh, they got Roland McEwen. And I'm missing the one guy. Who else did they have in there? Bennett, DePerna, McEwen, and Spencer Watson. Wow. There you go. And who was everybody a, who was thought... A pretty good player last studs. time I remembered. And ended his career in Mississauga. Studs. Yeah. Okay. And everybody thought, well, this is the, this is the payoff, right? right? And no offense to Kingston, like... It made sense on paper. You've got four of the 23 picks. Here are the guys you get. Watson, DePerna, Bennett, McEwen. And did Kingston even win an Eastern Conference crown? No. Did Max Domi win a Western? Co- yep. Did he win an? Oh, yep. That too. So <laughs> now, so does that mean, is this all advantage Windsor? Mm-hmm. Cooley hasn't looked out That's, of place. No, he's he looked very good. Yeah. Um. But man, that's a steep price. But I think that they could afford to pay it because Windsor last year in their post-Memorial Cup rebuild, I think the number was 14, 14 or 15 draft picks that Reichel recouped. So, But giving what they got back and the amount of assets they got back from dealing some of those players, don't you want to hold on to those and just have a super team moving forward? Like Not a super team, but a very good team. But then again, I've learned over the last nine years to not question what Warren Reichel does. And here is one other thing that Warren Reichel has. I talked about Kingston with those four picks from one year in the first 23 or so of the OHL draft, two firsts, two seconds. Warren Reichel now has on his roster with Will Cooley added to it five first round OHL picks, including the former Ranger, Grayson Ladd. Yeah, and three Memorial Cups in the last nine years. Why does I still I'm still fascinated by this. Everybody loves to hate the London Knights. I get it. And a dominant dynastic team in the OHL. Show us the cups. I know. Windsor is the everybody start hating on Windsor. They're the team you should hate. <laughs> you know why? It's cuz they're a fun team. They're nice people. They they seem like nice people. Like Bundy's a great guy. When Bob Bugner was there, he was a great guy. They've had great players go through there like Hall and Ellis. Guys you actually like. Right. Right? I don't know. And, oh, if if you're wondering why else Mr. Reichel isn't so worried about dealing seven picks, because that's probably half of what he's going to get from Michael DiPietro this year. There you go. And let me tell you something else. You can talk about all the nice players you want and, and Warren Reichel and all that. Warren's mom works the media room, okay? Still takes my plate. It's all you need to know. Yes, Mrs. Reichel, I would love a little bit more potato. Yeah. Thank you. Yes, I will have another piece of chicken. It's pretty fantastic. Pretty fantastic. All right. Uh, I guess it's time, Popper. That uh, before we sign off episode one, season two of the Farwell and Pope podcast, people are, I, I mean, I've already got my, my email inbox is full. Okay, no, it's not. I'm lying. But I don't have email, remember? <laughs> I figure we should, uh, we should throw out some predictions for the season. Ooh. I mean, it's, it's not easy out there, but why not I, bravely do this now and let it live on on the internet Yeah, so we forever. just get raked yeah. at the end of the season so, when teams that we picked didn't trade for players or traded away guys and then had an injury and then, yeah, we get... Okay, yeah. cool. I love it. I norm- I'm going to tell you right now. Okay. I normally hate predictions. Who doesn't? I hate them. I can't stand but, doing them, but we have to. Okay. It's our job. Okay. I normally right. don't, but I'm, I'll do it just this once. Okay. Don't uh, ask me to predict anything else. Where do you want to start? Let's start in the East. Where? In the Eastern Conference. It's the, t- it's the a- conference that's not... that. Be nice. Come, okay. At some point during the season, we're going to revisit the realignment talk. Someone's going to tweet me. 
at underscore Chris Pope. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, thanks, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here for you, buddy. There wasn't many listeners that knew that. <laughs> now they do. <laughs> Shoot. Now they do. Eastern Conference. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, I'm gonna, uh, what, you wanna, do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? I can go first. Well, I'll, I'll just mind. give you some broad strokes here, okay? Okay. Hamilton, I hope you enjoyed your run. It was great. Good on you. Yeah. Kingston, same thing. Yeah. Obviously, a team that we thought, we thought last year might have been a little bit better, but wasn't quite ready for prime time, but yeah. will be this year, are the Oshawa Generals. Uh, in part, maybe... That seems to be everyone's pick, though, isn't it? I know. That's the thing, right? They do, by the way, the Oshawa Generals, have a new defenseman who was just drafted in the fifth round this past June by the Winnipeg Jets. We know this because we watched him in Kitchener for a couple of years. We watched him make great strides. His name is Giovanni Velotti. And we asked Rangers general manager Mike McKenzie, uh, that one kind of came out of the blue. What went into the Giovanni Velotti deal? Yeah, it wasn't really something uh, we planned on or were looking at doing. Uh, it's something that kind of came out of nowhere. Um, and, uh, you know, G's been with us for the last two years. We drafted him in the first round. And really liked the way he developed with us. Uh, he was probably primed to take a, another step this coming year. Um, so, you know... Uh, it wasn't something we planned on doing, but sometimes, you know, especially in junior hockey, plans change. And, um, you know, right now it's best probably for, for Giovanni and his family that uh, that move was made. And, uh, you know, we we replaced him with a, another player of, of similar age. And, uh, you know, we wish G and his family nothing but the best uh, in Oshawa and look forward to seeing him continue his junior career and, and be successful wherever he ends up. So Velotti in Oshawa with a team that seemingly everybody thinks will contend. I'm not as sold, and here's the trouble starting, I'm not as sold on Niagara. I'm, I'm just not there with them yet. Hmm. Uh, but I, I think that I, I like. I like what Oshawa has done. I, I like the way Oshawa has built and then rebuilt. And I'm, I'm going to stick with the, 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 the general consensus and say the Oshawa well, generals well coming in are the uh, team to beat in the Eastern Conference. I'm going to go with a team that surprised a lot of people last year. I See, I I, I went back and forth on this yeah. team. Okay, you're yeah. going up the 400, aren't you? Uh, I, listen, I don't drive the bus. I sleep on it. But I do know <laughs> the 400, so yes, I am. I thought so. Uh, I'm going to go to uh, Waterloo Region North. Yes, sir. And that would be the Barry Colts. I say Waterloo Region North. We got Magwood from Cambridge, Wilms from Kitchener, Bignall from Kitchener, and they got uh, Allenson from Waterloo, and they just drafted a kid from Cambridge, a uh, young goaltender. I don't know if he's going to make the team. I don't pretend to follow the Barry Colts as much as the next guy. But a lot of local content up there for anyone listening in Waterloo region. And they surprised a lot of people last year. They got an import goaltender that a lot of people are quite happy with around Barry, uh, and I think that's going to be my pick. Ottawa is a team that I also see as kind of being back on the rise. Still some pieces that need to fall into place. But mm-hmm. Peterborough, we already talked about them with uh, Cooley not reporting. And I think that's just a sign of the, the times right now in Peterborough. But they got, they've got the assets now to, to move in the right direction. Kingston, they, they went for it last year, fell short. Hamilton went for it last year, won it. So I think those three you can take out of the equation, put them in a blender and see who grabs the eighth spot. But between Peterborough, Kingston, and Hamilton, eh, are those two of the three teams that will miss in the East this year. Wait a minute. Nope. I don't think Sudbury. Hamilton will. I really, well, <laughs> yeah, Sudbury's going to be in that mix too. Yeah. Although they're first rounders reporting. Quentin, so yep. there is some optimism, some reason to enjoy things. And you know what? North Bay, 
Let's see what Stan Butler does with Justin Brazo this year. Because the kid, if preseason is any indication, yeah. is poised for something special. Apparently led the league in scoring. And like he's a good player. He's always been a good player. It'll be interesting what he what he does this year. Yeah. Um, you mentioned Ottawa. I think if I'm the Ottawa 67s, if you are with the 67s organization, here's what you should do. Take every asset you have that teams want at this moment, trade them for money, and figure out your arena. Oh, dear. I know. I love going up to Ottawa. And I'm sure we'll talk about it when we do. We will. But figure it out. You're the nation's capital. It's not hard. Okay. The problem is what they figured out real, real good up in Ottawa was that football field slash right. soccer pitch. Right. That's what they figured out real well. Yeah. Oh, we still have a junior hockey team? Yes, you do. One of the nicest walkarounds, though, that I was talking about in the Ontario Hockey League. Hands down. One of the nicest walkarounds. Fantastic. We'll give you the all of the details. The seating and everything? Oh, yeah. Yeah, a joke. We'll give you all of the details when we get up to the nation's capital with the Rangers this year. So in the East, Popers going Barry. I, you know what? I should really go off the off paper here, too. But I, I stuck with Oshawa. Big so deal. Loud. Big surprise. All right, let's move over to the West. Uh, it sounds like many people are saying it's London's time to shine once again. Yep. Are you going to dispute that? <sighs> they say they're going to get Kachuk. They say they're going to get that other guy whose name, Adam Bokvist. Those are two big pieces. Huge pieces. Huge pieces. Superstars in this league win in this league. I still... Don't know if this is the year they do it or if they wait till next year. I don't know that they wait because they've got a guy in that right I know, now I've, I in know. Joseph Raymakers, right? But Not, do you like Cooey more than you like Raymakers? No. Ooh, really? I don't. Really? I do not. I do. I think the chance for them, but I don't think you gamble on getting Boakfist and Kachuk, and I don't think you sell them on coming to... London and the, their NHL organizations of sending them to London because let's call a spade a spade. They're pushed this way, especially when you're, you know, you're playing college hockey in the States and then you sign a pro contract, you have to play somewhere else. Your college eligibility is gone. I don't think you can sell them, their agents, their NHL teams, their parents on coming to London if you're not at least going to make a little push. I'd like to think that's the truth, but I'm going to say two names and then you tell me if your mind changes, okay? Okay. Dale and Mark. Right. Oh, Mr. Hunter, you'd like the players to come to London and play for your night? Okay, we'll have them on the next bus. But they certainly wouldn't. Really? Like, I don't... I don't. Pedigree? Yeah. The organization, whether but you're winning... Making, is part of that of pedigree. Course, of course it is. And, and, and their wallets are part of that pedigree. Let's call a spade a spade. Well. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> but even, even that aside... Everyone knows it. Even if the team's not going to make a march to another Memorial Cup. You've got a culture, and you've got guys like the Hunters who are running the show and seem to find ways to maximize the value of every player that steps on that ice. How much do you expect the Windsor Spitfires to surprise people? I thought you were going to ask me how much do you think they spent. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I don't think a ton. I mean... They'll ride Di Pietro as long as they can until the trade deadline. And then, as you mentioned earlier in this podcast, I Do think, you think move him for a boatload of assets. Listen, They're going to be good, but they're still a year they, or two away. They tried to trade him last year. He wouldn't waive his no trade. Mm, from I what heard, I've heard. I thought teams balked at the asking price. Do you th- He has said from day one he did not want to be traded. 
I think he'd be more okay with it this year because this will be his last year in the league. Do you think Michael DiPietro will do what is best for the Windsor Spitfires and allow them to trade him? Or do you think Michael DiPietro says, I'm a hometown kid. I'm sticking with my hometown team. That is an excellent question. And as much as it pains me... Because if not, me, they could be very good. Yeah. yeah. And so, like That kid in the playoffs was unreal again last year. We thought he might be part of a first-round <laughs> upset over Sarnia. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I, you know, this comes back to what we talked about with Cooley earlier. Uh, and no trade clauses are what they are. Look, I'm not a professional athlete because they've got them too. I'm not a junior athlete. But really, I think that I, I'd like to have a no trade clause too. Guess what? When this radio company is done with me, it's done See with ya. me. <laughs> I, I am an asset as long as I am useful to them. And and I think Michael DiPietro is an asset that is useful to the team, has proven his worth to the team, and then becomes really valuable on January 9th, 2019, before the trade deadline. So I, I just wish, and, and with Cooley saying, I'm not going to report. Yeah. I'm sorry, Eric Lindros, that's not the way it should be, right? So I, I think there's a little bit too much power. I think you make a great argument. Uh, because we'll see. I think more so this year than ever, goaltending rules the roost. There are not, with all due respect to the 20 teams in this league, or 19 of them, there's some good goaltending, for sure, but there's not that big crop of big-name goalies that are going to get you to that next level. Well, that's why another small change that the OHL made is allowing import goalies back into the draft. Mm-hmm. We have not done a particularly good job of developing these goaltenders. No. So I think you're right. We've got a, a bunch of good goaltenders good in the league. Right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So it, um, we'll see what Windsor can do, or so does are, do. Are you taking London? Well, I think that people might be looking... Th- Overlooking that, Saga? That, no, oh. that's see, I thought that was the sexy pick this year. Which yeah, well, it might be. That's why I like the squad. You went sexy in the East. I thought you were going sexy in the West. I'm going down, I'm it's... dirty, small town, rock 'em, sock 'em, bang you into our hardest concrete boards. Oh, and sound attack. Really? Why not? They oh, are returning. I, nope, not selling me on it. A ton. They are return veteran squad, always getting. Again, you want to talk about a team that rings, or seems to at least of late, ring maximum value out of its players. Yes, Mac Guzda and Nathan Torquia are your goaltending duo. Is one of them going to step up and take the reins? But we were asking those same questions last year when McNiven wasn't returned, right? Mm -hmm. And what did the Owen Sound attack do? Just take... Sault Ste. Marie to seven games in the semifinals and maybe had they not run into Sault Ste. Marie it's a different story I, I'm not ready to throw in the towel and this is a guy me that if you had asked last year just over the midway point of the season I would have told you that the Guelph Storm was the team to beat in the Midwest this year yeah. I'm looking at Owen Sound now saying hmm because Guelph still needs to add some pieces. Love the addition of Jack Hanley yep. and his experience Hamilton. from Hamilton, mm-hmm. especially with Ryan Merkley needing a little bit of that steadying influence, I think. But I looked at Owen Sound's roster, and I thought, man, oh, man, you've got some quality returning pieces. I'm going to stick with the attack. With all due respect to Dale DeGray, has Owen Sound not punted the last two years? Have they not? They went on that huge run with Michael McNiven where they went, like, yeah, but look who that, that undefeated that, in, like, 29 29- Yes, but no, I, I wouldn't say that. Look at the 
look at the Western Conference. Remember that brings up the whole imbalanced, unbalanced yeah. schedule and all these different things. Where because Windsor you had, and Erie went, you had crazy Windsor, you had Erie, you had London, why and you did had you not sound. go crazy? Well, because now you can have it this year. I don't know. I, London will be formidable. Listen. You can't. You can't overlook Saginaw. That team's coming back for sure. We're going back to the Jack Combs era in Saginaw. Let me tell you right now. However, if they're going to win, with all due respect, like I said, to the Owen Sound Attack goaltenders, they're going to have to win games 9-8. And I don't think you can, you can do that. I don't think you can. Yeah. Yes, they're bringing back some great players. But my guess, exit in the semis. Just like the past two years. How much? No, do you, they made the final year. How prior, much value yeah. do you? How much value do you put on the preseason? None. None. Zero. Who has scored the second most goals in the Western Conference and the Ontario Hockey League this preseason? Joe Gareffa. the Kitchener Rangers. Oh, the, as a team, who had the second best record in the preseason? I know they're four and one. The, the Kitchener Ooh. Rangers. I know. Hey, listen, and Ranger fans, it was a great run last year. Probably an overdue run for the Rangers organization this year. You know, there'll be that bit of a step back, one would suspect, but you look at some of the youngsters that they have assembled, you look at what they're getting out of them and some of the guys that are yep. ready to step up. It's going to be a fun team to watch in Kitchener, for sure. Who's your top line? For the Kitchener Rangers? Yeah, if you're Jay McKee, you talk to Jay enough. You talk to him coaches show, pregame show. We talk to him postgame show. We talk to him on the road. He gets sick of us, let's be honest. And no question about <laughs> no it. No question about the, it. The man's a saint. <laughs> uh, he, I think you start the season with Morellis, McHugh, and Damiani as your top line. You, you, okay. you may, you may uh, tweak that uh, a few games but that, in. But that's who you're going to start? That's who I'm starting. Who's your line. second line? Uh, you have Ricard Hug. You have Joe Gareffa. Mm-hmm. And you probably have Jonathan Yances. Not going to work. I I don't mind that at all. They've had Eric Guest in the top six forwards throughout the preseason, and I don't mind Yancis as a third line guy at all. No, he he fit in so well with Hug and Lishka though last year at the tail end. I think you got to put him with Hug again. And who who do we say? Oh, Greffa, another puck puck possession guy who likes that game, but not a guy that's going to get down below the dots and get dirty. He's he's got to for this team to be successful. He's got to lead him in scoring, right? Greffa, yeah, yeah. And I think Damiani's got to be up there, too. Now, if only there was some thing or person that could fill that overage spot <laughs> and slide into that top six. All right. Let me, uh, let me throw out a wacky theory for you, okay? Yep. Uh, Connor Bunneman. Who? Connor Bunneman, 2017-18 Kitchener Rangers captain, native of Guelph, gets returned to the Ontario Hockey League and finishes the season as a London Knight. What? Whoa. No, that's a bit of a joke on the end of it, but listen, but if, there are, not. <laughs> if there is any player uh, that the Rangers had have available as an overager, it's not going to be Adam Masker, and it's not going to be Giovanni Smith, it's not going to be Logan Stanley. Outside chance, in my opinion, Connor Bunneman gets returned to this league, and the Kitchener Rangers use him and his big body to pile up some goals, hopefully some wins for the team and the fans, and then at the trade deadline, move him for a fairly nice price to a team that has its eyes on a playoff run because he is as durable as they come. I don't know, and just on the heels of that. If I'm sane? I've been, no, I've been thinking about it. And I don't know if, in my opinion, the Rangers left that overage spot open, and there's no rush to get it done. 
but I think they left it open in case a player does get sent back. I also don't know that if this team is not off to a hot streak early, and Jay McKee was quoted as saying that he thinks his team can wrap up a lot of wins early in the season when teams are trying to figure out how to match lines and how to get pieces in place. If this team is not on a bit of a middle of the pack to the higher echelon of the Western Conference and Connor Bunneman gets sent back, do they not retool and go for it again? It wouldn't be the craziest idea ever. And then I, you have players like Damiani, Morellis, McHugh, Gareffa. You can all ship off next year. See ya, boys. Thanks a lot. We had two good runs. Enjoy your championship or run at it again. I don't know if they don't. I think a player like that is a game changer on this team and in this league. And if you can run out a line of Ricard Hug, if he can take another step, being more comfortable in this league, preseason looks good. Hug, Gareffa, Bunneman. And then you rock that second line that we talked about, the run DMQ. McHugh, How about the Morales. GNR line? Greg, Nick, Ooh, and that's Riley. That's not bad, too. Sweet childs of ours. Children <laughs> of ours. <laughs> what do you guys like better? Let us know. Yeah, right. Anyway, I think that's two top six, and then you got your rookies on your third, and guys filling in like role players on your three, four. I don't know if they... And their strongest point is going to be their defense. No question about that. I, I tried to extract that information from general manager Mike McKenzie during a preseason chat. He wouldn't bite. He's too savvy for that. But He's learned, eh? It's <laughs> Quickly. Yeah. It's not impossible. For sure it's not impossible. It makes things intriguing, right? But it is. They're at that middle point right now where you don't know what to... You almost... You just want, you want your young youngsters to get some experience, but you also want to respect your veterans. And it's that tough in-between stage where you don't really know. Like when they went out and got Jake Patterson. Yes. That tough in-between stage. Interesting. I ran into Jake Patterson's girlfriend at the Tavistock Fall Fair. Pardon? How's that for just, just as you mentioned Jake Patterson, I'm like, oh, yeah, look at that. She's a did former she, she Fall come up Fair and... ambassador. Yeah, well, we were talking because I, I was there to judge the Tavistock Fall Fair ambassador program. Wow, you are a big deal, eh? Tavistock, baby. Fall Fair, September the 7th. Huh. It happened. It was there. And it was great little conversation. We're just shooting the breeze over dinner and hockey, boom, there it was. Oh, Jake Patterson. He used to play for the Rangers. Do you remember him? I'm like, uh, yeah, I kind of do. Yeah, um, uh, pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, a former Tavistock Fall Fair ambassador herself. Now, the better half of one Mr. Jake Patterson. Who's oh, yeah, with she's the, a Fall Fair ambassador. Well, she's with the, or he's with the uh, Ottawa Senators organization now. Is he? Yeah, so it looks like either Belleville or Brampton will be his destinations this year, which makes their relationship a lot easier. This is the kind of stuff you get from the Farwell and Pope podcast. I, I don't, see that. I guarantee you there's not another podcast telling you about the long-distance relationship woes of former Rangers netminder Jake Patterson, who was a Ranger for three months, and his girlfriend. And shout at the Belleville Senators and Roger's own, the Rog, Roger Lajoie, running stuff up there. Love the Head Raj. on up and enjoy a Molson Canadian. <laughs> oh, that is shameless. <laughs> Did we decide who's winning the Western Conference? Well, it depends got... if Connor Bunneman comes back. Okay, so if Connor Bunneman comes back, Kitchener is. I'm, I'm going to... I say don't sleep on Saginaw. I say don't sleep on Owen Sound. <laughs> I'm sleeping. Okay, uh, on the bus trip there, but no more. Uh, we're going way off paper on that one. Right? Saginaw and Owen Sound, nobody's taking London. I, I still think London nobody's will. Nobody's taking Guelph? I still think London will. Okay. but And uh, we're going Barrie and Oshawa in the East. Yeah. These are the preseason predictions. Okay, let's just throw in one more real quick because we should probably wrap this up before the season starts. Okay. Who's going to win the scoring title this year? Well, I was going to originally say someone from Owen Sound, but I'm right. sleeping on them. So I'll take the guy that will put the London Knights over the edge. 
and that will be Mr. Andy Frost's son, Morgan. Can we shout out Andy Frost, the legendary Andy Frost? Or do him and Connor Bunneman both end up in Guelph, where Connor Bunneman is from, and play as two Florida Flyer or Florida Philadelphia Flyers draft picks with Isaac Ratcliffe, a third Flyers draft pick? What? I can certainly uh, see Guelph going out to try to acquire an asset like that. Remember, George Burnett is always a buyer. He is very rarely a seller. Not that he would be in selling mode this year unless the bottom falls out in the Royal City. We talked about the Philadelphia Flyers and how good their prospects were and named those three. We talked about it last season of how good of a line those three would be. Morgan Frost's setup ability, Isaac Ratcliffe's ridiculous shot, and Connor Bunneman can do just about everything and outman people below the dots. I hope it happens because I want to see those three play together. Be a lot of fun. Oof. Uh, I'm going to stay with Owen Sound. I, I've got a big love affair for the Bayshore this year. Sleeping. Must be the Torquia influence. Nick Suzuki. Nick Suzuki is your uh, 2018-19 OHL scoring champion. You think? Why not? It's, He's good. It's before game one, Popper. <laughs> good point. You know, I think a lot of things right now, and by the end of the season, people will be ripping us new ones for by, our foolish predictions. Yeah, by week three, we're going to look stupid. I got a question for you. You've asked me my predictions of the West and East. I got a question for you. Yes, sir. Um, At what point during the year does our first disagreement come on air about something in the league? Oh, game one. Oh, something in the league. We might be focused on just the players and the fans that first night. So game two. Game two, yeah. We should really quickly say, because I want to get this out on as many channels as I can, because I know people are going to complain and people are going to criticize because that's what they tend to do in our knee-jerk social media mm-hmm. world, and that's okay. Go ahead and do it, but I just want to say to as many people as I can, so all 12 listening right now, the Kitchener Rangers will not be doing anything to pay tribute to Don Cameron on opening night, and that's by design, and not that I'm supposed to speak for him, but I'm pretty comfortable <laughs> in saying that Don would be perfectly okay with that, because opening night is about you, the fans, and more importantly, about the players. It's their night. The Kitchener Rangers organization will be recognizing Don on Friday, September the 28th, game two. So there's one game on opening weekend. Let it be for the players. Let it be for the fans. Try to keep your emotions and your criticisms in check because nobody is ignoring anybody. It's just you can't sit there and do two tributes in one night or do the big opening and then add a tribute to it. you got to play some hockey at some point. And again, Don wants, he always wanted to focus on the players, so... We lost Don over the summer. We should we should say too. Gary Dalladay up in Peterborough. We'll yeah. talk more about that uh, when we go up. But Gary, let me tell you too, as a former player, went into broadcasting, and when I got to know him, thanks to Don, was the manager of the media room. And this man bent over backwards for you. Great guy. And his son Pete. They got to work side by each for a That's few cool. years. So awesome. His son Pete still does the games up there. Anyway, uh, we'll talk more about Gary when we get up to Peterborough, but we lost two legends this summer in the league. Real quick on the Don thing. Yeah. Um, A, Don would be absolutely livid that they're doing it anyway, that they're doing it at all. Two, he'd be absolutely livid if he did it on a night where they introduce this year's Kitchener Rangers. Right. He's always, like he said, he, he was just a guy at a game, right? It was about the players. And I think doing it on its own separate night gives it a little more weight as well, not taking away from what... Don did in his career. Uh, I, I still have not been to the odd and walked around and saw the mural they have. Tip of the cap for the team doing that. That's outstanding. It's phenomenal. I, and if I, you, I, I'm going to do it before game one. If you go into Rangers Authentics and the Hall of History that's there, they've also got a display with Don's headset, cool. 
and I could t- I got some I yeah, got some goosebumps, and I think sure. there were some uh, some ninjas chopping onions somewhere nearby because it, it's pretty special yeah. stuff. And tell a friend about the return of the Farwell and Pope podcast. Tell somebody with money who wants to sponsor it. Wouldn't that be nice? That'd be all right. You can do your that. business heard here. And if you've got any ideas, comments, complaints, criticisms, insults, Mike at five seventy news dot com. I'll read. We'll we'll have some bus reading. I'll yeah. print them off. We'll read them on the bus. Pope at five seventy news dot com. Once HR actually puts me back into the system, which ideally means I will get paid for some of the work I've done. We get paid for this? I don't know. At Farwell underscore OHL and at underscore Chris Pope on Twitter. Hey, thanks for following along as we get set for season two on the Farwell and Pope podcast. This has been the Farwell and Pope podcast, posted weekly. If you have questions, topics, or a story you would like to be covered, simply email mike at 570news.com. The Farwell and Pope podcast originates from the 570 News studio in Kitchener. Hi, I'm Emily Roger, and I host a leadership show called The Boiling Point with my co-host, Dave Vale. Together, we sit down with trailblazing entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers who are driving meaningful change in our world. The show is all about exploring the lives and perspectives of leaders who are making a difference. Join us for insightful conversations that challenge the status quo, spark new ideas, and inspire you to take action. Find us on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or at BoilingPointPodcast.com. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.